Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. If you have your Bibles, would you flip open with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to read together verses 1 through 6. And it says this. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality. Let's start that all over again. Hospitality. Wow. It's going to be a good one today, folks. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember all those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to, the, remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? I want to start out with saying that uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain that today's sermon is really more for me than any of you all in this room. Um, I, I think that I've looked at this scripture over and over again. And if you um, have been here for, uh, for the whole entire Hebrews um, sermons, you'll notice that I've been going section by section. And this week I jumped a whole probably 10 to 12 verses. And I've been trying to figure out why this week I did that. For, for one, I know that I might have made a mistake on my board and I didn't see it coming, but I, I all of a sudden was thinking this week, we've had 12 chapters on the goodness of who God is. We've had Several of them talking about Jesus coming and why he is better than the old covenant and why we should be worshiping this, this Jesus. And then last week it ended with, don't miss out on Jesus. A whole 12 chapters on this is why Jesus is so important. This is where we're at. If you haven't listened to them, go back on our podcast and listen to them all. But then all of a sudden, he breaks the thing. He breaks where he's going in verse 13, and he says, keep loving each other. He says, don't miss this. Jesus is the answer. And then he goes right on to, this is how you're supposed to be living. And, and I've been just really struggling with that this week because the verses that I've skipped over, and if you want to read them on your own time, read verses uh, Hebrews 12, 18 through 29, is you can read those on your own, but here's a quick synopsis of it. He goes back to where Jesus, or he goes back to where um, Moses is getting the Ten Commandments. And so this week, it's, it's really kind of bothered me because you've had, you, if you look at the Old Testament, or sorry, if you look at the Ten Commandments, there's ten of them, and four of them are all about how you should relate to God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shouldn't create any idols. Keep the Sabbath day holy. 
don't misuse the Lord's name. And then you have the next six, which are all about how to live with one another. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house and all their stuff. And I was, and I was wondering about that because it seemed like in the Old Testament, it was like, well, here's four quick things that you should just know about your relationship with God. And then here's six things that you should do. Right? And then we jump all the way to Hebrews chapter 13 and there's 12 whole chapters on how great Jesus is and six, maybe, I'll give it 16 verses on how to live with one another. It's almost like the tide has turned. There's something about Jesus that solves a lot of the Ten Commandments. It's almost, I mean, if you look at it, there's 60% of the Ten Commandments is how we should live with one another and 40% about how we should live with God, which is really 100% about how, how we live with God. But I'm not going to get into math with y'all. Um, but I, I looked at this, and it's been really interesting to me that we have whole 12 chapters. Look at Jesus. Would you look at Jesus because if we have Jesus correctly, then we actually live with one another well. In the Old Testament, it was this way. If you lived with others correctly and you did what God was asking, then you could live with God. Because God couldn't be around unholy people. And Jesus solves that all by saying, I will be with you. That very last Verse in chapter, well, verse 13, verse 5, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. This, <laughs> this has been an interesting verse to me this week. How often do we say, God, you messed up on this one. You weren't with me here. You abandoned me here. Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? And then I came across a quote by A.W. Tozer. And he says this, and I'm sorry I don't have it on the board for you. If you want it, I'll send it to you. Sometimes I go to God and say, God, if thou dost never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship you as long as I live and in the ages to come for what you have done already. God's already put me so far in debt that if I ever live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he's done for me. So we live in a world in which I think we look at the, the first 12 chapters of this and we do ignore Jesus a little bit. And we want to keep on doing these good things. And, and I'm telling you that verses 1 through 6 of verse 13 can't happen without the other 12 chapters of this, of this book. Because I think something inside of me doesn't realize the goodness of God. Something, doesn't, something inside of me doesn't see the greatness of who he is. All I get lost in is the greatness of who I want to be. 
Can I maybe do this? And can I, can I, can I maybe build a bigger bank account? Can I maybe build a bigger church? Can I get lots of people to follow us into wherever we're going? What is wrong with my leadership? Can't I do this or that? And, I, and it's all about me. I wake up in the morning and what do I instantaneously think? Okay, what do I have to do today? What needs to get done? God, how do I, how do I make my children be okay with me or my wife happy with me? And in fact, actually, most of the time, I probably would think that 70% of the time, I probably, probably ignore God for the first hour of me waking up. And last week, we ended on, let's make sure that it's not too late. And then the author goes into a big, long rant about how we are not going to a physical mountain. We don't have to do things anymore. We have to know who God is and allow Jesus to change our hearts. And then in verse 28, which I read this morning, and I'll have you put that back up there, it says this in 28 and verses 29. Since we are receiving a kingdom, in verse, sorry, in chapter 12, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. An unshakable kingdom is this, is not that it, it gets, it is that it is never going to change. Nothing is going to interrupt it. God's kingdom is the best plan and the only plan that will last forever. And since we're walking into that because Jesus Christ has done this, the Ten Commandments, right, have been, Jesus said it himself. He says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law that you guys couldn't fulfill. You guys couldn't keep my name holy. You guys put idols in front of me. You guys couldn't keep the Sabbath day holy. You still murdered. You still coveted other people's things. And guess what? I accomplished these things so that God could be with you. And the reason why it flipped is because God is with us because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we have the ability to have God with us and in us always. And so the unshakable kingdom that we're taking on is not the kingdom of self, it's the kingdom of God. And the last verse I didn't forget to read it, is this. For our God is a devouring fire. Do you realize this morning that when you came into here, you are worshiping the God that holds it all together? The God that gives you breath. The God that allowed you to wake up this morning. And most days, I have to admit that sometimes instead of when I wake up, instead of saying, oh God, I need your help, I just say, oh God, it's another day. Back to the grind. Got to, got to, 
whatever kingdom I think I've set up with. And this is, this is interesting, and this is why I've titled this sermon, The, the Vertical and the Horizontal. Because here's the deal, and I've said this to you multiple times before, and I keep going back to it, is the vertical is our relationship with God, and the horizontal is our relationship with each other. And it makes a cross. And so I want to ask you this morning a couple things. The first one is this, is have you received an unshakable kingdom? Or does your alliance in this kingdom get moved based on your current circumstances because we've also talked about that over and over again in Hebrews because it keeps bringing us back to how Jesus has solidified this kingdom for us over and over again and how it becomes unshakable through him which means that if we received it we should be people who look at this kingdom and know the goodness and the glory of God because what comes next in this scripture doesn't actually come out of our hearts well without Christ. So now that I've said all of that, let's get into these five, these six verses of chapter 13. And I find it very interesting that all of these go back into all of the chapters of Hebrews. And so the first one, is this, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. As we become people who are in an unshakable kingdom, we realize that we are all a part of a family. We're adopted into the kingdom of God. We are children of God, which means that we are all brothers and sisters. There are some of us that don't even have really good relationships with our earthly brothers and sisters. But he says in here that inside the church, inside the kingdom of God, keep on loving each other. Strive towards it. And here's what I would say is I'd, I'd say have voluntary love for one another. It means that we don't hold back. It means that we don't wait for them to do something because that's not the order of God's kingdom. It wasn't, if you do this, then I will do this. Jesus didn't go to the cross after we accepted him as the kingdom of God. He went to the cross because he knew we needed it. And so do you have voluntary love for your brothers and sisters? If there's somebody in this room that you know that you're struggling with, it clearly says in the Bible that once you come to the altar and give your gifts and you know that somebody has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and reconcile yourself to them. Then come back and give me the gift. God knows something about our hearts in this. If you have some, something against your spouse... we'll talk about later on. Do you have voluntary love or do you save your love for others? Do you automatically already say, well, what, this is what that person is like, so no, I'm not going to really help them out much. Do you reserve your love 
for only certain types of people. And I'm telling you that there are people that can really suck love out of you. It's true. But when those times come, I think we need to remember the unconditional love of Christ. It says in the Bible that we love others because he first loved us. Then we get into Hebrews 13, chapter 2, and it says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. I love the word strangers because we're going all the way back to Abraham, right? When Abraham was a stranger in a strange land, God asked him to leave his place and go somewhere that was brand new that he, that he did not know. And over and over again, it talks about how he is a stranger in a strange land. And that when people would offer, when people would offer Abraham passage or show honor to him, God would show honor to them. And I find it incredibly interesting that the very last conclusion chapter, he would bring this in. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Do you have voluntary hospitality? This is something that we always want to say, no, I'm just going to be hospitable. This isn't to the brothers and sisters. This is to strangers. This is to people you may not know or just have met. Hospitality is the desire to bring them in and make them feel at home or make them feel like they are a part of something that they were outside of. They become to be in your inner circle, if you will. Hospitality shows them honor, not for what they've done, but just because of who they are as a human being. I think hospitality to strangers is my hardest thing because I either, I either already have my own preconceived notions of what I'm going to come up against or I allow my inner dialogue to get in the way. I make assumptions of other people right away and I go, I'm, I, and usually for me, it's I'm not good enough to talk to them. Or I, I'll just say something stupid and then I'll just feel embarrassed and, and, they, and they're not gonna think that I'm a good person or they're, gonna, they're not gonna like me. I had a friend of mine say that, that that's kind of a, a horrible way to kind of go about life, thinking uh, that the way you interact with life is how you think that people will perceive you. Why not just be you? And I think that is a huge play into hospitality. Do I go out and seek people Seek strangers who might not have the same viewpoint of me so that I can give them honor? Or do I sit back and allow them to come into my world and then judge them for the things they're doing? 
because I want to show hospitality to strangers because I don't know who I'm entertaining. And that doesn't matter. The, the thing that matters is what God is calling me into. Verse 3 goes into, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Now this has a little bit of a different meaning for us because he's talking about those who are persecuted for their belief systems that are in prison. They're not talking about the uh, people who have done wrong and are now in prison. Though, it could work with that also because if it's talking about uh, showing hospitality to strangers and loving the brothers and sisters. But I think the best thing that we can grab out of this is have voluntary empathy. Do you empathize with people? Can you put yourself in their shoes? Or are you a person that simply goes about and goes, well, you see, this is what you did wrong, and you need to do this, and you need to fix this, and you need to fix this, and then, and then we'll be okay. Are you genuinely concerned about the plight of other people? Or do you go about your life, and if they crash into yours, then you have to do something about it? I'll be very interested to see when I go to Bolivia what I'm going to be a part of. Because I think sometimes we feel like we've got the answers, right? We feel like we go in and we're the superheroes, and really that's not the case. Will I have the empathy to see what's actually going on, or will I just want to be able to fix it and say, this is how, this is how you fix your life? I don't think we can go through the rest of the chapter without realizing, do we understand the greatness of God? Do we have voluntary love for our brothers and sisters? Do we have hospitality for strangers? And do we empathize with everybody and what they're going through? Because then and only then can we take the next step in the rest of the verses, which is in, chapter, in verse 4, which says, all of a sudden switches to, Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. When we follow an awesome God, we desire to give honor in all of these areas. And marriage is the first one he desires to talk about. The author says to give honor to marriage. I don't know if we live in a world that honors marriage very much. I say this over and over again to people who come into my office. I say the vows that you took are not contractual agreements. How many of you guys remember the vows that you took? Some of you do because they were the good old vows. I see one couple back there that I did the wrong vows at their wedding and I made them come back up afterwards and do them with me again because vows are that important. 
Or were they just words that we just simply kind of brushed over? Because if we realize that the vows are a covenant, not a contractual agreement, it doesn't really matter much about what the other person is going to do. It's a matter of what we are going to do, what I am going to do. I give honor in marriage when I don't allow the things that my spouse is going to do to affect how I'm going to treat her. I remain faithful because I see and understand the goodness and the holiness of God and I want to be holy and so I remain faithful. He says, but if you don't, be careful because God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. I don't, I don't want to spend much time in there except for this. Is, are you honoring your marriage? The person who's the closest to you. Are you showing voluntary love to them? Are you showing absolute hospitality to them? And are you empathizing which, with their feelings and their emotions in your marriage? Because if you don't, I think quickly immorality can set in and adultery can set in. And so, are you honoring your marriage? Number five, and verse five. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Simply put, don't love money, be content. I feel like he's just going so fast through this conclusion. But this isn't something you haven't heard before. Don't love money, be content. This is really hard to do. I think we can justify a lot of things super easily. We can look at our lifestyle and we can go, hey, I, I'm not going to, I, I don't love money. I use it for, I use it for whatever. I, I really don't care that much about money. But then we just go on spending sprees. Or it's funny how we can have one thing and we can go, this is good, but I want X. I have a question. Are you content? Are you content? I don't even want to focus on the love of money. I wonder if you're content. My family lives in a three-bedroom household with one and three-quarter baths and a bedroom or a big, huge room on the back that's 490 square feet and a living room up in front and a kitchen that's all in the middle of it, right? And the other day, we were talking about, hey, what if we need a bigger house? And I tell you, I stewed over that for a really long time. Not because I, not because I didn't think about the money things. I, I feel like I was actually not content. And I don't know if God can work in my budget, in my lifestyle when I'm not content, when I'm always going to the next thing. 
Am I content? And I don't know how to answer that, tell you the truth. I'm waiting for God to come and speak to me about that. And the very last verse of this six verses that just went super quick, and actually it hasn't because I've been speaking for a while, but that went, <laughs> went super quick is this, verse six. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Here's what happens. That when we enter into an unshakable kingdom, God asks us to voluntarily love people that just seems crazy. It doesn't seem okay because there are so many different walks of life in a church in the kingdom of God that we sit there and we go, it doesn't matter anymore. I need to love this person the way that I, that I need to. And I need to show them hospitality. I have empathy and I'm honoring marriage and I'm being content. God is going to move that person in different ways. They are going to do some things that don't look normal to the rest of the world. And people are going to ask, why are you doing these things? And the answer is simple, is that all of this is so that we praise God. That everything in our life is about bringing glory to God. To be honest with you, I, I've spent this whole entire week trying to figure out how to wrap up this sermon in a nice little bow, and I, and I don't know if I, I really can. Because I feel like there's a bunch of, hey, <laughs> right in the middle, there is all of these things to do. And then my wife came to me last night and said, and there's this song that's been just ruminating in my mind this whole entire week. And it's a song by Casting Crowns called Only Jesus. And in it, it talks about building our own kingdoms up. But then realizing that we have to come to a point that it's actually about Jesus and only Jesus. So I, I, I want to end this sermon with listening to that song and while that song is playing the worship band can come up because I do believe that after after that song is a response from us and the song that we're singing is you are my king and and I don't think that we can do any of these things without putting Jesus in the right spot do you today believe that God is a devouring fire. Another section says a consuming fire, that he consumes us and he is all our life, all about our life. And when we do that, we begin to be different people in our hearts. We begin to change. And so <laughs> I feel like I have not done any of this justice. But I want you to listen to this song and I, and I want you to think about how your life is about you and how it needs to switch to being only about Jesus. Because these six verses don't matter. 
if our lives are not about Jesus. And he says in all of these things, if you do the things that you're called to do, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. And at one point you can have confidence that I will always be your helper. Because God already put me so far in debt that if I were ever to live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he's done to me, done for me. Let's watch that video and then we'll have the worship team close us in the service. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember.
Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.